Have you ever wished that you could travel back in time somewhere? It would be interesting to travel back in time to the day when the Solomon's temple was dedicated. It was a temple of the Lord that God used Solomon to build, and it was an amazing edifice. And the story behind the dedication of Solomon's temple is just an amazing story. It's interesting what happened when the temple was dedicated and the Ark of the Covenant came. The Bible says then that the glory of the Lord, the the manifest presence of the Lord in light filled the house so much they couldn't go on. It's recorded in the Bible a number of places. One of them is in 2 Chronicles. Don't turn there because our text is Ephesians uh, chapter 5 today. But this is the direction we want to take to get there. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 12, there's a description of this. 2 Chronicles 5, 12, the Levites who were the singers and the house of Asaph, Um, with their sons, their brethren, they stood at the east end of the altar clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, harps, and with them 120 priests sounding trumpets. Can you imagine that? Wouldn't you love to be able to travel back in time to see that incredible thing? That's amazing music ministry there. And indeed it came to pass when the trumpeters, they had how many trumpets? 120 (laughs) trumpeters. And the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music, and they praised the Lord, saying for it, He is good and His mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Now, it would have been amazing to travel back and to see what it looked like for God to manifest His glory in the house. And there's uh, chapter 6 is, would be great Lord's Day reading about the prayer of Solomon and what happened, the things that Solomon said and how God honored the things that he said there. In chapter 7 it says, When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And then again it says, The glory of the Lord filled the temple. The glory of the Lord filled the temple. Now we want to remember the Bible is one book. And when people write later in the Bible, they're always referring backward to things that have been given already. It's one story, one great story. So you always want to see how things work together. But here we have the fire consuming the, the, all, the sacrifice on the altar and the glory of the Lord filling the temple. And verse 2 says, Because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house, when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good and His mercy endures forever. Have you ever been in a worship service? Anything like that? Well, you will be someday. You will be someday. God manifested His glory. It manifests His presence in His glory light. And if He did that in that way here and now, I think we would all hit our faces. I think we would get on our knees. It would be amazing to see that. In the, in the Old Testament, at the dedication of the temple, God showed His favor, manifested His presence in this amazing spectacle of, of light and glory. But in the, New, in the New Testament, the Bible teaches that 
When Jesus came, Jesus manifested the glory of the Father. That's what John said. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, it says that Jesus is the brightness of the glory of the God and the express image of his person. And this is specifically in the context of his advent. When he came, when Jesus came, he manifested the glory of the Father. So God chooses to manifest his glory in different ways. It was this spectacular display of light and a cloud of light of filling the temple in the Old Testament. It was the glory of God revealed in Jesus there in the New Testament. Here's a good question now. How does God want to reveal his glory today? Are we to wait for this cloud of light? Certainly we don't have the physical presence of the Lord Jesus. He said he would go away. He would send his Holy Spirit. How does the Bible teach us that God is to manifest his glory today. The Bible is not silent about that, and that is what we are seeing when we look in Ephesians chapter 5. That is what we're seeing. And to prove that, what I want to show you here uh, today, quickly, is I want to give you just the briefest overview of some of the parts of Ephesians to display this. Look in Ephesians chapter 1, you know, that in Ephesians chapter 1, as Paul launches into this praise be unto God because we're seated in the heavenlies and all that's involved with that, he keeps talking about glory. The manifestation or the display of all that God is, is his glory. Okay? The manifestation of all that God is, is his glory. And this, our salvation is for the purpose of glory. And the Father works for the purpose that we would glorify him. The Spirit works for the purpose, the Son works for the purpose that we would glorify him in our salvation. The Spirit works for that purpose. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Then when you get to one of these prayers of Paul, is what he's asking for for the church. Notice what he says in verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us, who believe work according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, that, and every name that is named, not only in the age, this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He's going to talk about unity in the body and the manifestation of the glory of God in the body of Christ, which is the church. This is a theme here, and he goes back to it over and over again. You, you know, doing biblical work, exegesis, study of the Bible, is a little bit like digging in a dark tunnel sometimes. You're just picking away, picking, 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 and then maybe it doesn't make sense. You're just accumulating rocks. Suddenly you hit a vein, and then the whole thing, you're into the riches of it. And this happens here when you see that the book of Ephesians is talking about God's glory manifested in the church. God will manifest his glory to the nations, to the people. He will manifest his glory. He showed his glory in the Old Testament in that way. He showed his glory in the manifestation of his glory in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. But now his plan is to reveal his glory in the church. His plan is to reveal who he is in his glorious wonders and perfections and beauties in the church. That's what Paul's saying 
in a lot of neat different ways. In the book of Ephesians, I won't exhaust all of them, but skip forward to chapter 2 and look there in verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and saints, members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being himself. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple to the Lord, a dwelling place of God. You get it? A holy temple of the Lord. The church is the, in our age is the dwelling place of God, a holy temple in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Get it? So the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit being manifested through the church is the plan that God has to show the world the glory of God in our time. And, and, and I'll just give you this little hint before we go any further. Today in our text, we're going to see five ways to do that that are given to us. Five ways to give God glory through the church in our, in our time. But nonetheless, this is the theme here. You're going to see it again if we skip forward to chapter 3. And we look in verses 14 through 21, another one of Paul's prayers, which you can kind of borrow and use to pray for people you love. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by, through his spirit in the inner man. Notice that notice he's connecting always glory and the indwelling Holy Spirit and the church, they're all connected in this in Ephesians, continually connected. And, they, and they, they do refer to what the Bible has said already about how God manifests himself. How does God display his beauty in our time? He's not planning to come in a glory cloud right now to display his beauty in our time, nor is he going to send Jesus in his person right now in our time. Right now until Jesus returns and eventually returns in power and great glory. He intends to reveal himself through the church by the special agency of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what he keeps saying here over and over again. Get it? And now, now as we go on, strengthen with might through his spirit in the inner man, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints... Again, this gathering word, this unity word, with all the saints, what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church. Get it? Glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the theme. Can you see this as the theme? Have I made that clear? That there would be God now manifesting himself, showing his beauty, showing his virtues, showing his character through not just individual Christians, but individual Christians together in the church. It is through the church that he would reveal his glory. Glory in the church. It should just ring in our hearts. Glory in the church. The church gathered to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, chapter 4, and this is just the most cursory passing over of this, but Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is again in the context. He says, I'm going to give gifts to bind you together to minister to one another for this. 
Verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Do you remember last week when we were talking about the Dionysus kind of heresy that was there? You get drunk and you get sensual and then you get filled with God and that's how you get your... He's saying, not that. That's what he always keeps saying. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something completely different. Great contrast, completely different kind of religion we're talking about here. That we would no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You have these themes together. The church, the glory of God, the working together of God's people. Now, when you take that understanding and you go to chapter 5 and verse 18, and the things that follow it, the participles that come right on its heels, the, the verbs with the ing endings, that, like this is speaking and singing and submitting and so forth. Now, you, now what you see is this is how God has intended to manifest himself in our time. This is how God has intended to show his glory through of all people, us. Glory be to God. And including our scars. That God would be glorified. That God would be honored. This is how he is displayed to the world in a beautiful way. This is wonderful. And then we have in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, you have this, this pivotal statement here. Don't be drunk with wine, which is a form of debauchery. It's, a, it's, a, it's, just, it's like a, the, the same word used for the prodigal, it's like, which is a great moral waste. Don't be drunk with wine. And all of that goes with that. The false religion, the drunkenness, and all that. That goes over. Sorry for those of you that are sitting on this side. You get to be on the bad side today, okay? Maybe next week I'll try to reverse here on my left hand. That's the way it works. So over here, think like that. You've got the stuff that goes with that. False Religion, universalism, nihilism, emptiness, um, life doesn't matter for anything, I go out and get drunk, I'm involved in immorality. Over here, completely opposite of that, you've got nothing, that's not even supposed to be named over here. What we do, completely different than that, because we are doing what? Manifesting the beauties of Jesus Christ, the glory of God in the church. Christian people gather together, it's called the church and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're indwelled by the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can display the glory of God in our lives. That's why he says none of this stuff should be in your lives or God will not get the glory that he deserves. Now do you see the scandal that it is for Christian people to mix it up with the world over here like this? What a scandal. What a terrible scandal that is. We don't want to have anything to do with that. Even talk about it. Well, this is what this is saying. Now, the natural question is, if, it, if I've got this command, and we do have this continual command, keep being filled with the Holy Spirit all the time, is there any place in this book, for these original readers, that the author gave them, well then, the natural question is, okay, I'm convinced, I, I want to obey this command. How? How? Is there anything in this book that tells us how? Now, some people, and I've done this for years, have seen the things that immediately follow as results, what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we tend to take the kind of like the systematic theology of all that there is about the Holy Spirit, and we say, well, somewhere else it tells us how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But here it just commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and tells us what happens afterward. And I've been doing some careful study and reading about this. I've come to a different conclusion. I've read a number of like 
theological journals on this and have come to the conclusion this is what it's saying something a little different. Now, in the list that follows, you have things that will be the results of spirit-filled living. Spirit-filled people are thankful people. That's part of the fruit of the Spirit. It says that elsewhere. Earlier in chapter 5, it says it. Certainly in Galatians, it says it. The results, but these are not results, but means. In other words, what he's saying is this. Here's the deal. God manifested his glory in the temple in this physical way with a cloud of light. And he's manifested his glory in the person of Jesus when he walked in his incarnate person on the earth. But now he's manifested his glory in the church through the indwelling spirit in you. And the way that that plays itself out is in these ways. And they are really very similar to other places in the Bible. You can kind of see how they're knit together. And they're listed here, these five things. Here they are in verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So you have speaking and singing and making melody. There's actually a couple of them there. Singing and the making melody is the word. The making melody is like psalming. Singing and psalming. We'll explain that in a minute. In your heart to the Lord. And then verse 20 is another one. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. And verse 21 is another one. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. And if you really pay attention, what you'll see is from chapter 5, verse 22. Actually, where 21 says submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. It starts in chapter 5 and verse 22 to verse 33. It's about marriage, but it's in the context of submission and love. The wife, is, the wife is appealed to for submission. The husband three times is appealed to for love, to love. And at the end it says, it comes back to the wife and says, let it see to it that she respects her husband. And then chapter 6 and verse 1 is about the submission of children to parents. And then after you get to chapter 6 and verse 5, you have the submission of people, the bond servant, or servants to masters. And you have the, the, in each one of these you have something. Notice you have... The wife is to submit to the husband. The husband is to see to it that he loves the wife. The children are to submit to the parents. The parents are to see to it they don't exasperate the children. The bond servants are to submit to their masters. The masters better know they're going to answer to God. What a wonderful book we have in the Bible. That's so very clear and so wonderfully balanced. But submission is a part of that. And I really think that if you go through all the submission passages, you end up in chapter 6 and verse 10. And chapter 6 and verse 10 starts talking about standing or, or that's spiritual warfare. So let's, let's think of them all together. All these five, these are five ways to display the fullness of God in the church. One way to display the fullness of God in the church is our speaking songs. This is what it says. There's another way, they're teaching music. The other way, music that teaches. The other way is by our singing and making melody in our hearts of the Lord, singing and psalming, just playing instruments. The other way is submitting is by thanking God always for everything. It's a submission to the acknowledgement of the sovereignty of God in all things. And the other is thanking God for all things. The other one is submitting to one another because we reverence God. And the other one is we have supernatural power who stand against the devil. And when we display these things, the beauty of the Lord is upon us, and the world looks on, and they see the glory of God in us. You say, I can't do that. You're right. You have to have God in you unhindered to do that. That's what this is saying, how beautiful it is to see it. Let's go through the five a little bit more slowly. By speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, therefore the glory of God is manifested. If you're interested, by the way, in why I believe that chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, are really talking about 
the means of displaying the fullness of the Holy Spirit rather than the results primarily, I can give you that. Send me an email. I'm not going to take time to, to do it right now. I'm just going to read a little, ver- a little short phrase from a, 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 a theological journal which was helpful to me. And many have said this. It's not just one. The way the church carries out its identity at the dwelling place of God in Christ by the Spirit is by speaking and singing and making melody and giving thanks and submitting. And I may add by standing against the wiles of the devil and having supernatural power. And that brings us to the end of the book. Can I repeat that? The way the church carries out its identity as the dwelling place of God in Christ by the Spirit is by speaking and singing and making melody and giving thanks and submitting and, I think, standing. This understanding gives us a clear how to accompany the command to be filled. So naturally, when he says this, I command you to keep doing, and this is how you do it. And this is very exciting when you think of it. Together, we have what it takes, together, as a body, we have what it takes to reject the life of the sons of disobedience, referred to there in chapter 5, and choose the way of the Spirit, which is completely different, because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Together, we should manifest the glory of God through the controlling influence of the Holy Spirit by these five things. One, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So the glory of God is manifested in His people. The beauty of God is seen in His people by the stuff that they say, by the words that they say, especially the words of the songs. It's interesting here. It says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's very interesting. There's a parallel passage to this in in Colossians 3 and verse 16, and it's not immediately referring to the Holy Spirit, but it has the exact same list following it. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then the result there is the same, or the other things are the same. So we speak to one another, we talk, we praise. How do we manifest God and just show God to the world? So the way we talk and the, song, the lyrics of the songs that we sing, your talk, your praise, your bless, you don't talk dirty, chapter 5. You don't talk like the world. You don't do that. Your, 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 your songs and your speech are different. And songs are a powerful means of teaching, a powerful means because they're... They're an aid to memory. As you know, I might say some theological construct for you, and you won't get it, but if we sing the song over and over again, that song will ring in your heart throughout the whole week, right? I was once at the Character Inn, and I was in my office, and somebody came running to me and said, Pastor, come out as fast as you can. Galen is out front, and he's, in a, he's having a seizure. He was diabetic, and he was in insulin shock. He's riding on the ground. Scared me to death. We called the ambulance. We got him to the hospital. I stayed right by him. His dad was in California. Finally, he was stabilized. He was okay. It scared me to death. I felt like he could have died right then. Somebody told me, and if you're a medical person, and I say this wrong, come and fix it later on. But here's what they told me. They said that if I had put honey under his tongue, they said something like this. And Like I said, I'm not a medical person. But they said the honey... It's like a direct route to the bloodstream. So the next time I went out running, praying for the marathon, instead of taking those expensive goo packets, I just grabbed some of those little packets of honey from the kitchen, and I thought, I'll pop this when I'm, you know, feeling spent, you know. Maybe that would help you while I'm preaching, and you're tiring, and you have no endurance. Try some honey. It may, it may work. It may get you to 1230, real perky and all. But, but anyway... But anyway, this guy, I thought about that, like honey under the tongue and bring life to him. That's what the songs that are the, that are the expressions, the accurate expressions of God's word in song are like honey under the tongue of the saints to give us life. This is way, one of the means we have of manifesting the beauty and the presence of God. And when I read that, I thought, I knew that was true. I knew that was true. 
when I, when I understood this, I thought to myself, aha, of course, that happens to me all the time. I sing a song, and my friend, you may think, I will sing when I'm happy. No, don't do that. Don't do that. By all means, sing when you're happy. But when you don't feel like singing, sing yourself. Sing to yourself, especially the truth. Wonderful thing. Now, let me say something here that I've alluded to when I was called here as pastor. I said that I do not subscribe to the assertion that some have made that a certain beat in music is evil. Remember me saying that? Some of you may agree with that, may may not agree with that. Christians are probably going to arm wrestle about that one. But I can't find any scriptural support for that idea that a certain beat is evil. I can't find any scriptural support for that. Never seen it. If it was there, I would use it. It would help me. You know, I'd just say that. But it's not there. I do not believe the use of drums, for instance, in worship itself is evil. We don't hear. We use drums. We kind of don't, like, hang them out for everybody to see. But they're there sometimes, right? You notice that. I knew you'd be really quiet when I said (laughs) So, but, But hear this out now from our hearts. So that we don't confuse or discourage people, maybe especially young people or people that are different than us. We should trust the sufficiency of Scripture. We should use the means of evaluation of music that we are given in the Bible and not extra-biblical means of evaluating music. And this would be a place like that. The words that we speak in our songs absolutely must be truth. They must be truth, and that should be the focus of our evaluation. Among other things, there may be other ways to evaluate music, but one of the main ones that we are certainly given in the Scripture is dial in on those words and see are those words honoring to Jesus Christ. And you may be different. You may Around the world, people sing in different ways. Now, let's be honest about that. But we need to be careful. But we don't have the right to change the words from God's Word. That's important, I believe. And so this is, uh, that would lead us to measure the music very carefully by the truth or error in it. Error has no place in worship music. Irreverence has no place in Christian music. Sensuality has no place in Christian music. I was speaking at, my family was with me, I was speaking and we were singing at a college and, and they had a b- wide open kind of music thing going on there and the contemporary music doesn't bother me at all. Rather like some of it. But the one thing that was a little difficult for me was when the girl was expressing her praise to God, I could see more of her belly than I had seen of any of anybody else's belly in a long time. Now, that's kind of funny, but it's really not funny because the Bible talks about a covering up of nudity and that in, in the, in the mixing of sensuality and worship is not a good thing. So what I'm saying is we may be a little contemporary, we may have the use of drums, we may be, we, we, but what we cannot do is we cannot take words that aren't honoring to the Lord or true from the Bible and put them in our music. We cannot make our music that's supposed to be worship music irreverent, and we certainly can't mix sensuality in our worship music. See, that's, that's, that's what I think... These are means of evaluation that were given in the Bible. And why is that? It's because this is one of the ways we manifest the presence of God and the power of God and the fullness of God and the glory of God. It isn't about us, our styles, things we like. It's about Jesus and His honor and His glory. And so that would lead us here to have other means of evaluation. But to fixate on the presence of drums has to miss the point. Songs are a means of teaching. Why are they, by the way, you know, there was a time, Spurgeon's Day, the fixation was on the presence of an organ in the church, right? I mean, it was like, he didn't have an organ in his church, much we admire him. Probably much, most of us, all of our lives, have gotten used to the organ sounding like a sacred thing to us, right? 
That's the way we think of it. That's not the way they thought of it then. So we need to have a... We have to be thoughtful about this. This is the main place where the contrast is going to surface, and that is in what the song is saying, what it's speaking, and the spirit of the music. Let me ask you something very directly. What are the songs that you are listening to teaching you? What? Because all songs are teaching, and I challenge you directly, what are the songs that you are listening to teaching you? What's the message behind the music that's the soundtrack of your life? You say, well, it doesn't matter. You're fooling yourself. You're deceiving yourself. Music is like honey under the tongue. It's going straight to your spirit. You need to be very wise about the music that you listen to. I, don't see, I can't imagine seeing it any other way without doing violence to the Bible. All songs teach. All songs teach powerfully. What are your songs teaching you? That's important. Amen, Ken. Good. good. Right. Yeah, believe that. I, 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 I can't imagine. Here, I've been through this. I'm in college. I'm in a Bible college that disallows secular music, but I got a little taste for it, you know? So I go off one night and I buy an album. You won't remember this except folks that are older, but CDs used to be really big black plastic things like this, and you, I bought one in a music store. So I buy this album in a music store, and here's what happens, okay? I go in the music store, I buy this album, my, my, my spirit is going... You know, I kind of like the music, but my heart is telling me you probably shouldn't have bought this guy, you know? Um, I will tell you what it was, but you've got to give me $500 for it. And I, so anyway, otherwise, it's a secret, and I'll die with it. So anyway, I go in and I buy this uh, album. It was back in the 70s. And I, and I get the album, right? And I'm coming out of the, of the store, and this girl walks up to me from my couch. This is a precious Christian girl, very, very sweet, very... Very uh, consistent, very good. She says, well, hi, Ken. I'm like, hi, Donna. She says, what do you got there? I go, a record. She's like, what is it? I'm like, uh, uh, let me see, she says. <laughs> well, she is sweet but persistent, right? She's like, let me see. And I go, <laughs> she goes, oh, hmm. <laughs> Not a word of condemnation, just, hmm. You know, and I'm like, oh, turn beet red, you know. So I scamper out with my with my vile music. So I get in my car, I'm driving home, drive along with this album, just kind of like shake that off, you know. So I'm driving along, and there's a long gray. I got this blue 1972 blue VW Super Beetle. Love this car. Don't have any dents, scratches, rust on it yet. And I'm driving along, and I, I go to stop, and there's a big long grade ahead of me. There's a little bit of snow on the ground, and for some reason it was like a like a skating rink. My car just started sliding. I slid all the way forward, he hit a truck in front of me. A guy down in Missouri is like a guy with a truck with this huge like cast metal bumper that he put on there, you know, aftermarket bumper that was like would survive a nuclear blast. And I go crunch my front end of my VW into this guy's bumper. I'm like, oh, man. I get out, did no damage. <laughs> Not only did it do no damage to his car, he didn't even know I hit him. It was like that big. And he goes, there's no problem. Go ahead. And I'm like, I look at the front of my car. It's got a big dent in the front of it. Like, oh, how am I going to explain that? I get back, it's wintertime, I put my album under my jacket, and, because I don't want it to be cold, and I go, so I go running, I go running in with my, I go running into the dorm with my album, and just as I get there, I trip, and I fall, and when I get up, as soon as I pull my album out, it's broken, I'm like, mm. now at this point, you know, wise godly people would take a hint, okay, wait a minute. God sends an angel along to rebuke you when you buy it. You wreck your car on the way home, and you fall and break it. 
you think God might be trying to tell you something here, you know? Like, so I, I'm like, not me. I go back and I say, hey, this broke. And they go, well, we'll give you another one. <laughs> they will give you another one. So now uh, I've pretty much rung all the changes, broken all the commandments with this thing. But after a while, as I try to walk with the Lord, and time went by, for, my, for myself, the Holy Spirit whispered in my heart, Ken, you shouldn't really have that. That's not about me. That's not about the things of the Lord. That's not, that, the, that, the philosophy behind that's not right, and you need to get rid of it. I remember going out and doing this, and I, you know, just for your encouragement, I had to learn this kind of over and over again. I had to kind of go back, throw stuff away, you know, and then start over again. And maybe you're just wonderful, and you never did anything wrong, and you got it right from the very beginning, and you never had to go, listen to God tell you that you shouldn't have done that, and you, you never have to take anything off of your iPod. But I would just suggest if you're like me, you try to walk with the Lord, God might whisper in your ear and say, you think that through a little bit. That's really important. And this is what the scriptures are saying are one of the ways that we have of, the, of, of God manifesting his glory in our lives through, through the teaching that we get through the music. And the other one is related to that. It says, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The idea is singing and psalming. It's like plucking. It's like you're singing and playing. It's like you're playing a guitar lyre. You know, it's like you're singing and so- Can you see a picture of a person singing and playing in their heart to the Lord. This is a way to manifest the, the beauty and the glory of the Lord. Austin, Heidi took Austin to Kentucky, showed him around all the stuff there in Kentucky. One big thing in Kentucky is this ginger ale that they've been making down there. It's non-alcoholic. And, and this ginger ale, and uh, it's called ale They have it in these green bottles. Everybody down there drinks it. And um, they, they found an old bottle. And they, when I went down there Monday, we were sitting there Monday night, and he said, hey, look at this bottle. It was an old, old bottle. It was like decades old. And the bottom of the bottle says, <laughs> well, it was kind of humorous. It said, it glorifies. It glorifies. I'm like, well, I had no idea it was that easy. You just like pop the top off of that thing, and you drank it, and that simplifies everything, doesn't it? What they were saying from a theological point of view is, they were, they were claiming that this sweet mountain ginger ale manifests the presence of God. Now, that's why you do not want to get your theology off of Starbucks cups or pop bottles, because people in marketing, they do things that are not theologically accurate. It does not glorify. It's good stuff, by the way. You ever go down there, get a cold one of that. That's good stuff. I will tell you that. Sit on the porch, have a couple of those. They're good. They're fine for you if you can hand, stand the high fructose corn syrup in small amounts. But it will not glorify you. What will glorify, what will manifest God's presence, what will teach you truth about God is when you take a song and mainline that truth into your soul through a song about Jesus. I don't have time for other songs. That's what I'm saying here. And so we sing and we make melody in our hearts to the Lord. Then it says giving thanks. By the way, and this is interesting because this is the way it works. I was in Canada. I was speaking to some, a father of a men's retreat in Canada. And the men there had heard from the Lord. I go there to meet. I go to speak ahead of time. I'm about an hour before I'm supposed to speak. They have this big tent up, and all the guys start to gather in. And I sit in the tent, and the guys start to ask me questions. And then and young men, like in their, their teens and 20s and early 30s, they're all gathering in, and they're just asking questions. What do you think about this? And they love talking about the Bible and things of the Lord. And after a while, in the whole hour before the service, there was a whole big bunch of young men that were all gathered around, and they were all talking about the things of the Lord. And then they said, when I preached, they said, 
Pastor, you've come a long way. We're not going anywhere. There's no time limit. Isn't that cool? And just preach as long as you... Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? And they just said, preach as long as you want. And I, so I, I preached for a good solid hour or more every time. And they just listened. And then when, they, when we got done, you know, they didn't scurry up and go, well, now, you know, let's hurry, let's hurry back. They just said, let's pass out the hymn books now. And these guys passed out the hymn books. Now, I will tell you this. When you belabor preaching and you belabor singing and the Spirit of God is not in it, <laughs> don't blame that on the Lord, you know, and say, well, it was revival. That is not revival. That's boring people with the Bible, and you should be hung for that, okay? But these guys had met with God. They knew the Lord, and they were walking with the Lord, and there was a sense of the presence of the Lord, and they just sang, and they sang, and they sang. A cappella, it was not altogether good, but very enthusiastically, just for hours, and the rain came. They just kept on singing. I don't know, if you read the history of revival anywhere, when people met with God, it touches the singer in them. When people know God, it touches their music. And that's, I've kind of maybe overdone that. But there was this affection. Now here's where we go back. Remember the howling monkey last week? And we said that the fullness of the Holy Spirit isn't like a howling monkey. It's like good nutrition. You know, it's like steady and even. But I will just tell you this. The other part that we need to say is when you're on that track that the Spirit of God is working in manifesting God in you in an unhindered way and you're walking with the Lord and you're giving him thanks, which is what we're going to get to uh, probably some other day. Um, and we're submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. And we're singing and making melody in their heart. What can happen from time to time is God can break into that fullness of God with amazing sense of affections for God. And that ought to, there ought to be some feelings then associated with that. Now, now here's, my, here's a proof. Here's a logical proof of that. If the Red Wings had done what they were supposed to do on Friday night, and if they had scored at the last second, gone into overtime, and beat whoever it was they were playing, we shall not name here, then you would have been very excited about it. Most of you guys would have jumped off of the couch, spilled your popcorn, and screamed yourself hoarse, and gone out and shot a shotgun and beeped your horn in the street. Am I right? Same people who, because we're Baptists, don't get too excited about Jesus. That's all I'm saying. Okay. By giving thanks, always for all things. David, the Bible says in 2 Samuel 6, 14, David danced before the Lord with all his might. Look it up. I don't care what version. Read it. He danced before the Lord with all his might. A guy could get himself fired around here for that kind of behavior. His wife, his wife criticized him, and God judged her for doing that. So I will say, no howling monkeys, no, no howling monkeys, but we do not know if a person has had an experience of fellowship with the Lord Jesus, that will affect the whole person, and he's filled with all the fullness of God except for his emotions? No, he's filled with the fullness of God. And then he's giving thanks for all things. I'll have to finish this some other time. I don't know when. Submitting to one another for the Lord. Standing against evil. I have committed myself to not going on anymore today. But to leaving us where it sits. Take your, your copy of the Bible. Read through this. And then ask yourself this question. Is the beauty of Jesus on my life? There was a guy up there in Flint that lived on the street. They say that he was involved in, in, in drugs and stuff and had something blow up in his face. Never had it corrected. It was just terrible to see him. And it made it all the worse because he would come into the building without permission and he would go hide in a dark corner of the building, like a women's bathroom or something. 
So if you're like managing a building when a guy like that just, you know, pops up in a women's restroom every once in a while or, and your children are all have the run of the building, it, you know, it kind of tends to keep you on your toes, you know. And the guy looked really, really scary. They called him Castor. I mean, he was scary to look at, hard to love, seriously scary. You didn't want to get close to him. Because, and I won't describe why, but his face was messed up. I remember when I was a boy hearing a guy, reading a message from a guy named John Rice called, Be Sure Your Sin Will Find You Out. It was a very simple, direct message. The, the message was kind of like, sin will find you out in your children. Sin will find you out in your body. I remember this part. This, this is the point I remember so well. And he growls, sin will find you out in your face. Sin will find you out in your face. And it may be that if you have this, if you choose the first option here in Ephesians chapter 5 with the sons of disobedience that it will not catch up with you right away. It may be over time that it will eat, eat away at your insides like spiritual cancer. Or it may be that while you're playing that game, sin will literally explode in your face and make an ugly mess of your life. And this is the opposite of what God is offering to us as the church today. If you will walk with God... Be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Come to faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. The beauty of the Lord your God will be upon your face. And it won't matter whether you are a model or a superstar. God will be manifesting in your face. And especially He manifests Himself in the presence of His people when they gather together. That's where God wants to display His glory. And you can see that. You see that when you look at people often, you look at somebody and you just think, my, isn't there a hardness in that person? The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard, and it's not uncommon for that to show up in a person's face. And I think that's the emphasis here. The opposite is gloriously true. Is this true about you, though? Would people look at you? And listen to you, what you say and what, how you sing and how you live. And they would, would they say, when I'm around that person, I see Jesus in them. I have a sense that there's something different about them. Why would you choose any other kind of life? The only reason you would do that would be that you are dangerously influenced by dark forces that you should flee. Heavenly Father, I thank you for people here that have gathered in, in your name to show reverence to you by singing and by sitting under the, our attempts to teach your precious and holy and comparable word. And now I would ask that the beauty of the Lord Jesus would be upon these people. Those that are outside of faith would come to faith in, in Jesus Christ. Those that are your children would manifest your glory in Jesus' name. Pastor Pine, if you would lead us in hymn number 476 if that would be all right let's stand together and sing number 476 as we're dismissed we're here to help you if we can